The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We are going to talk about the Bucks on the West Coast. Should it worry you, I have some facts to back that up. We will also chat about Chris Middleton getting the all-star bid over Drew Holiday. Why he did, could this spark his season? We'll talk more about that. And then lastly, we will sing the praises of the Marquette Golden Eagles and their win against Villanova, play a little catch-up, maybe at the very end, if time, uh, talk a little about the Rogers-Tennessee idiocracy, shall we say, and the Beijing Olympics. But those are at the tail end, if I have time. I'm keeping myself to a tight schedule. We'll see if I actually keep myself to that you know it's like one of those things where you get going and then it's like all right well i've done 35 i might as well just do 40 it's kind of the same when you're like on a run and you're you're feeling good and you're like all right whatever like another song fuck it that's kind of how i do it with podcasting but all right let's talk about the milwaukee bucks the milwaukee bucks head out west they play the portland trailblazers on saturday night and then they have the los angeles clippers on sunday the bucks have had quite the time off this has been great to kind of get healthy, um, to kind of make sure all the tweaks, all the sort of muscle strains, all are feeling good. Giannis, healthy from that welt that Montrezl Harold delivered to him on Tuesday night. Uh, all that shit. Like, they're they're going to be feeling good. There is reason to believe that the Bucks should be at peak potential. There is a chance for rust, obviously, and the first day of a road trip can get off on a wrong foot. Um, it happens all the time. But I think the idea of a West Coast trip always intimidates the fan base. No matter if you're a Bucks fan or a Brewers fan, I feel like the idea of going out West, it gives you kind of the creeps. And I, it's maybe more of a Brewer thing than it is a Bucks thing, but I, I do think there is some sort of ideological worry that you go out West and you just forget how to play your sport and how like it's like, okay, this road trip is just not going to go well. Uh, usually uh, in the NBA, last year was different. Uh, usually there's about two West Coast trips a year. So Bucks, I do think, have another one. I think it's like at the end of March. But they have they have their first one this week. And they got Portland on Saturday, Los Angeles Clippers on Sunday, the Lakers on Tuesday, and then the Phoenix Suns on Thursday. So four games, two, really the opponents just the Suns are a top team in the West. I know the Lakers and I think the Clippers are both in the playoffs, but they wouldn't be teams that I would qualify as contenders or teams that the Bucks might see in the NBA Finals. The Suns really are the premier game of this West Coast trip. So you ask yourself, is it reason to worry? Am I Should I be concerned that the Bucks are going to struggle? Do they always struggle on the West Coast? Like, there, like I said, I think that's a misconception with fans, and so I looked into it. Since Mike Budenholzer took over the Bucks organization, because I think that's a good barometer, the Bucks are 14 and 15 on West Coast trips. In 2018, 2019, the Bucks were four and four. In 2019, 2020, the Bucks were six and five, and in 2020, 2021, the Bucks were four and six. Now, obviously, there are variables, right? Like the reason the Bucks careened in 2020 was Giannis got hurt and then COVID happened. And so they lost a couple games right before COVID hit. And that is, you know, on their resume. I think one of those games got canceled. 
the reason that they're four and six during last year was Drew Holiday was down with COVID. And so they played Denver and I think they played Phoenix. They had that game against Phoenix where they were up by 20 some points and they blew that lead at the end. Giannis, I think, had 48 or something crazy like that. He had a great game against the Suns only to lose. So I think that there are obviously little footnotes in all of those West Coast trips. But it's to say that I don't think it's anything to worry about when I, when the Bucks go out west. They, do they do the Bucks play well out west? Nah, not really. Uh, I mean, I should say not really. I, I guess I should say they are average, right? They're average at best uh, out west. Is is it wrong of us to say, all right, well maybe this is the time the Bucks can get hot? Yes, I would. I would say that. I think I would be floored if Milwaukee, let's say, rips off four straight wins. It's probably unrealistic to think the Bucs are going to sweep this road trip. Or 3-1, and one, I think, is best case scenario. And however you lose that game, that's up to the Bucs. But 3-1 and one is the best case scenario. I think that Suns game matters. I'll be really curious to see how the Bucs play that one. We've seen the Bucs against you know that top-tier competition really lay the hammer down. And we'll see if they're, they can do it again against Phoenix on Thursday night because I I do think that one matters more than others. I know the Lakers for some people will matter, but that Lakers team just can't be taken seriously. I don't know if LeBron's going to play. I hope LeBron plays. I think I said that yesterday. I want LeBron to play. I think that's good for basketball if LeBron plays. But yeah, it's not necessarily something where I'm like, okay, the Bucks have to you know win four straight or they have to win three and one. I expect it to be two and two. I don't know how you want to cut it. I think Portland is an interesting team, right? Because they are playing okay basketball right now. They're not playing great. Um, they're definitely a team that's going to be in the lottery. But Portland has guys who would want to showcase themselves to the Milwaukee Bucks, right? For potential trades. Larry Nance Jr., Yusuf Nurkic, Robert Covington. Like those are all guys that are going to want to showcase how they play against the Bucs. Like they're going to want to try to show out, have big nights, and have the Bucs convince themselves that they need to trade for them. There might be guys in the Clippers that are the same way, like a Serge Ibaka or a Luke Kennard or something like that. Ty Lue has done a pretty good job with the Clippers in the last few weeks. Uh, the Clippers are definitely coming on strong, and they're kind of figured out their rotation. So credit to Ty Lue for sort of figuring out that rotation and figuring out what they need to do to be successful without Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. I think everyone thought the Clippers would careen off a cliff, and now the Clippers are still kind of hanging around. Now, some people have made the argument that they can blow it up because Paul George and Kawhi aren't coming back, so best-case scenario would be a 7 or 8 seed, and you could Herb Cole it and say, all right, yeah, let's fight for it. Or you could just say, let's trade away all of our assets, load up for next season. We don't have a pick next year. Like We might as well try to get a pick back and start rebuilding a little bit with Paul and Kawhi sidelined. And we don't know if Kawhi is going to come back next year. Obviously, I think they have Paul George for another few years. But regardless, like the Clippers won't make that decision before they play the Bucs. Like, the trade deadline is Thursday. It's the 10th. So we'll have the Bucks suns that night too. So there's a lot to talk about on Friday's show. I, I've kind of thought I might do like a hybrid tapping the keg. So I might have Mitch on in the Thursday night. He do, doesn't usually like to tape Thursdays, but before Bucks Suns, Mitch and I talk about you know the, the deadline if the Bucks make any major moves. And if they do, Mitch and I will talk. We'll, we'll stay tuned on that. But I, I do think that 
you're going to get showcase games from the Clippers or from the Blazers and maybe the Clippers too, which can, you know, it can make it a little more difficult. I think that stuff gets underrated when you look at, you know, competition and how it might go for the Bucks. But it would be really nice for Milwaukee to find fire here right before the All-Star break. They're, they have a few, I don't know how many games left before the All-Star break, less than 10. Uh, the All-Star break coming up soon. We're going to talk about Drew Holiday getting snubbed for Chris Middleton, weirdly enough. Uh, so we're going to talk about that in a second. But yeah, it would be fan-fucking-tastic to get the get the Bucks hot. And I, I think everybody's been waiting for it. I know people are saying, oh, the East is a mess, whatever. Yeah. The East isn't a mess. The Bucs are the best team. I understand that the Bucs have struggled. They haven't had Brooke Lopez. Like I just feel like you cannot judge the Bucs right now. And then maybe the Bucs need to kind of make a quote-unquote statement. So the Bucs have, in total, seven games until the All-Star break. They end the All-Star break with, or before they go on the All-Star break, they play Philadelphia at home, which is a, definitely a marquee game. There are two marquee games in the last seven Philadelphia and Phoenix both of those matter more than the others you have Portland twice you have Indiana you have a LA Laker team who's struggling so there are more than enough reasons to say if the Bucks could go five and two here or six and one and finish really strong down the stretch then all of a sudden it's like here they come and it's like it does sort of send a proverbial message to the rest of the NBA that the Bucks are ready to roll and that they're going to make a case in the month of March. The Bucks have one of the harder schedules down the stretch, and I think actually that's okay. Like I think the more we think about it and the more that we have seen the Bucks quote-unquote struggle against some of the worst teams in the league, I think it's actually a good thing that Milwaukee has a hard schedule because I think it's going to challenge them every night. I don't think there are going to be moments where the Bucks say, "All right, we're gonna we're sleepwalking through this game." Like they have some rough stretches coming up. So, and like you look at it, just for an example, they have a stretch after the All Star break. They play Brooklyn, Charlotte, Miami, Chicago, Phoenix, Oklahoma City. Nice little break. Atlanta, Golden State, Utah, Sacramento. Like I mean, that's all playoff teams. That is all playoff teams. That is every night. That is going to give the Bucks a lot of early playoff sort of vibes. I'm not. I, they don't necessarily need the experience. They won the fucking finals. But I'm just saying this West Coast trip could springboard them. I don't worry about it derailing their season, right? Like even if they let's say go one and three, let's say they drop one of these games this weekend to either LA or Portland, then they lose to the Lakers and they lose to Phoenix. And they're one and three. They could easily get that back with Portland, Indiana, and Philly, right? And so it's like, all right, water stays level. But um, I don't also, but I do think it could be a springboard. So we'll see if it happens. Obviously, the numbers say expect two and two. Um, so that's what I will do. And so if the Bucks win these first two games this weekend, and we'll talk about that on Monday, then we'll say, all right, what can we expect for the rest of the week? And it'll obviously be dependent on how the Bucks play. If it's how the Bucks played in the final five minutes of that Washington game, I think we're going to be like, holy shit, here they go. Or if it's how they played for the third quarter and some of the second quarter, then we're going to be like, well, this is still the Bucks. They're still kind of sleepwalking and not necessarily taking this season seriously, which is a whole other conversation, which I'm sure we could have at another day. But I, I do not want, to, want you to worry about the West Coast. I want you to enjoy it. 
I realize that as we get older, as some of you are dads, like West Coast trips are a little harder, but it's nice to have late, late night basketball every now and again. Definitely makes it easier when you're debating on what to watch with the wife. All right, let's talk about Drew Holiday not getting an all-star bid, but Chris Middleton did. So to I think a lot of our surprises, Drew Holiday is not an all-star, but Chris Middleton is. Chris Middleton has not had a great season. Uh, Chris Middleton has definitely struggled. We talked a little bit about it on the Tapping the Keg podcast but yesterday. But I think the Middleton all-star birth was more of a thing of like, hey, we know that you played so well in the playoffs. You played so well in the finals that you deserve to be here. So I think that was why Chris Middleton got in. I think that's why the coaches recognize what Middleton did in the playoffs and the finals deserved him an all-star bid. That deserved him late recognition. And it's weird. And I'd have to like look back to see if this has happened. It seems like it, it has. It seems like there has been a, you know, sort of a, a market correction and saying, all right, yeah, you are a guy to deserve to be there. You were a guy to deserve to be there last year. And the Bucks having two all-stars makes sense. And I feel like you could not have one all-star Bucks. Like you could just have the Giannis Antetokounmpo in the all-star. Like you definitely needed two. They probably should have had three with Drew Holiday. We'll see if Holiday is the replacement for anyone who might not play. So Holiday could certainly get in. I saw that Tim Bonapen said that Holiday should have been the second buck selected. He's one of the best guards in defense, which he's right, and he's shooting 40% from three this year. I would love if we have a Drew FU West Coast trip, by the way, though. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate that. So unfortunately, Middleton got in because of sort of last year. And that sucks. I, I don't really like that. I want to reward guys in the year they're having. Like Middleton is not having a all-star year. I think there's been more people frustrated with Middleton than people saying, all right, Chris is having this knockdown year. He's a definite second banana. I will say this about Chris. When you need him, he seems to come up big for you. Like, look at that Washington game, right? I, I realize it's the Wizards. I realize they're, at best case, a seven seed or a six seed. But Middleton, down the stretch, hit multiple big shots. And Middleton is still Mr. Big Shot, right? Like, I, I realize that's Chachi Billups' nickname. Whatever, fuck off. But he still hits big shots. Like, he's still not afraid to take a massive shot when it matters the most. So Chris Middleton, sort of having that in him, having those balls, I think should at least get a little bit of a shine and to get a little bit of recognition, even if he has not had the year that I think Middleton has wanted. Now, could this be sort of a wake-up call for Chris Middleton? Could this be Chris Middleton sort of, all right, people think I'm an all-star. I haven't played that well all year. Maybe it's what revives him. Maybe it's what gets Chris Middleton going. There's there's nothing to say that it couldn't, right? There's nothing to say that maybe this brings Chris Middleton kind of back to life and that Chris Middleton has sort of that stretch of games where all of a sudden it's like, okay, here comes Chris and he sort of revives himself. And we've discussed, you know, reasons why maybe Middleton has struggled. But yeah, I mean, I think you could see both sides of this. You could see a great Chris Middleton, you know, 
month and Chris Middleton really starts coming on strong. And then I also think you could see Drew Holiday sort of using this as revenge and using this as a vehicle to say, all right, fuck off all of you. I am going to be awesome here for the next who knows how many games, right? And I think think that's definitely on the table for him. And I'm excited to see what's possible for all of these guys. I think all of these guys deserve it in their own way. Like there are people who are going to tell Middleton he didn't deserve it. All right, fine, whatever. But at the same time, there's still reasons why Chris Middleton was there. Chris Middleton's there likely because of the playoffs, likely because of the NBA finals. The coaches are recognizing what Chris Middleton did for that Bucks team. And I think there are coaches too who played against Chris Middleton in those playoffs that said he was a motherfucker to deal with. And I'm sure coaches talk like coaches. It's, it's, you know, of course they do, right? We hear this all the time in the NFL. We don't hear it as much in the NBA, which is weird, but we hear about it in the NFL all the time about how these coaches, oh yeah, we'll, we'll talk during the week. If we're playing each other. We won't, but we'll talk. And I'm sure Eric Spolstra has a, you know, a chain of guys he talks to. I'm sure the conversations were how good Middleton was. I'm sure Steve Nash did the exact same thing. I'm sure Nate McMillan, again, Monty Williams. I think that there are guys who had these conversations with you know, other people and other coaches. And they said, well, Middleton was great. And we should at least acknowledge that Chris Middleton did this in the playoffs. And sorry that Drew had to be at the expense of it. I don't think the Bucs are good enough to maybe have three. All- like, so here's the question. Are the Bucs good enough to have three all-stars this season? I, I don't know. I, I really don't. I think it should have just been Holiday over Middleton. If we're looking at this season alone, it should be... Drew Holiday. And the Bucs have not played well enough to say, all right, you deserve three All-Stars. Like if the Bucs were a number one seed and just kicking everybody's ass like they have in years past, I think you'd say, yeah, Giannis, Holiday, Middleton, okay. Give it to Giannis and Holiday for this season, you give it to Middleton for last season. But they have not been at that level um, for a variety of reasons. Injuries to Brooke Lopez, the Bucs just kind of not taking the regular season as seriously as they have in the past, and a, and a other host of reasons, okay? So I, I think it's fine that the Bucks have two. I don't think they should have had three, but their second probably should have been Holiday over Middleton. But I, I do understand why the coaches wanted to give and reward Chris Middleton. Wrapping up the show with Marquette basketball. So we weren't able to talk about Marquette yesterday because we did tabbing the keg. We did it right before the Marquette game. They took on Villanova. My expectations were very low. You know, Marquette had beat Villanova two weeks ago. Villanova had not been swept by a team since 2017 when Butler did it. There's only been two other teams that had swept Mark or, uh, Villanova in the modern Big East. And now the third team is the Marquette Golden Eagles. Marquette beats Villanova at home in a game where really Marquette had full control. Marquette had full control of that basketball game. The only quarter, quote-unquote, they struggled in was the third, which they've struggled in all year, uh, where Villanova started to come back. But then Daryl Morsell took over that basketball game. It was extremely fun to watch sort of the Morsell takeover. He had 15 points. Tyler Kolick was great in the first half. Justin Lewis was great for the entire thing. I guess we could do golden kegs. Uh, that was basically your golden kegs. But we, we will. We'll do them really here at the end. But Marquette continues to reset their bar. Like, I think we all set a bar for Marquette. And we're like, all right, here's where it starts. We just want you to get to the NIT. Your young team, it's first year Shaka Smart. If you get to the NIT, it's all gravy. 
Marquette starts to kind of clear that bar with a better than expected non-conference season. Still, it's like, all right, Big East is going to be tough. We know how good the Big East is going to be. NCAA tournament would be great, but if you fall off here, no one expects much. Marquette then starts a 1-3, and that's kind of what you're like, okay, this is what Marquette, I guess, might be. And they start winning games. They blow up Providence. They have only, they're only one of two teams to beat Providence all season. The other, is the other Wisconsin? No, I think Providence beat Wisconsin. But, I mean, Marquette has that. And Marquette beat them by 30 points. And I think Marquette could have beat Providence in Providence on Sunday. I mean, that game came down to a few different plays. And Providence, you know, obviously escaped out. No, Providence actually lost to Virginia. They got blown out by Virginia, which is interesting. Because Virginia has not been that good this season. But, yeah, Providence has been so good. And one of their losses is to Marquette. And that was their first Big East win, and that springboarded them. And then all of a sudden, they keep winning games, and it's like, all right, fuck the NIT. They're definitely a tournament team. And then I was like, all right, just, just you're in the tournament. It's fine. It's house money. I think I heard Bill Simmons say it's a gravy season. He's talked about that for the NBA, not for the Bucks, or not for Marquette, excuse me. But it was. It's gravy. Like anything that Marquette does is gravy. And I said that to friends. Like I had, I had Shannon friend of the program beacon me and saying, well, I can't wait till Marquette loses in the first round and, or the second round. And I was like, dude, I don't even care. Like, I just want Marquette to be there. Like, that's awesome that they're there. But now they keep playing well. They keep beating teams like Villanova. And I'm like, this team could fucking make a deep run. This team is absolutely fearless. Like, why, why should I limit myself to just saying, okay, they're a tournament team. They are going to be, at this point, I don't know if they do like the brackets. I think they do. I think that starts Saturday. Like Marquette could be a top 16 team. Like that's not out of the question to say after their win against Villanova. Joel Lenardi right now has Marquette as a four seed, playing a very good South Dakota State team, by the way. Uh, Playing South Dakota State, and if they were to win, they would play Ohio State, and they would be in the region of Baylor. Now, Baylor obviously being the defended national champions, uh, but Marquette being a good three-point shooting team could really give Baylor a game. And so, like, the ceiling for Marquette has just keeps growing. Like, we keep building a new ceiling. Like, the, the ceiling doesn't stop. Like, I know Michael Jordan one time had the quote, the ceiling is the roof. But seriously, like, I don't know where the ceiling ends. Like, at this point, it's not unreasonable to think Marquette can make a deep run in the tournament. Now, deep run, again, Sweet 16, Elite 8. I think I wouldn't put Marquette in the Final Four. I just wouldn't, all right? Like, I I am smart enough to know that maybe Marquette is not at that level. But also, would I be shocked if Marquette was there? No, I wouldn't because they keep beating the teams that I wouldn't say maybe they're not supposed to. That That's probably the wrong way to say it. But, like, they've been dogs in a lot of these games. And Vegas has not caught up to Marquette. Vegas has been getting absolutely killed by Marquette, of course, because I'm an idiot. I haven't, you know, reaped those benefits. But yeah, Marquette can definitely make them make their way into the tournament. They, I think, would be beneficial to have a good draw. Like, I don't know if it would be beneficial for Marquette to play Purdue, just given Purdue's size. But I also feel like Purdue has a chance to choke on their own dick and, you know, losing the Sweet 16 or losing the the round of 32 or make the Final Four. Purdue has an immense amount of pressure on them. Purdue has the most pressure of anybody in this, besides Duke. Like, Duke does because of Coach K, 
But Purdue does because they've never made a Final Four. They have a illustrious basketball career. Like they've they have been as good of a NCAA team throughout the years. Like this is I wouldn't say they're a blue blood. Shout out to Jordan Jordan Kappen and not Jordan Kappen, uh, Jordan Nelson. Uh, but shout out to Jordan Kappen too. But they're not a blue blood. But Purdue is definitely a team that's in that category of iconic college basketball teams and they still have not made a final four so i think they have the most pressure along with gonzaga obviously because this is like the window for gonzaga and you have chet holmgren who's a top pick and chet holmgren was really good yesterday against san diego but again you're playing fucking san diego you're not playing you know some of these teams and it it is a similar conversation to what you have about cincinnati in college football and we get we can talk more about this but it's like you're not necessarily playing this high-level competition night in, night out. And I realize Gonzaga played a really tough non-conference schedule and made made it through pretty unscathed besides a couple losses to Alabama and Duke. But again, you lost to Alabama and Duke. So I feel like if you're like, who has the most pressure here? It's Duke, it's Gonzaga, it's Purdue. And I think it's in any of those orders. You could rank that in any way. And coincidentally enough, Duke and Purdue at this point, according to Joel Lenardi, are in the exact same bracket together. So that's very fascinating to see uh, Duke and and Purdue in that same bracket. Gonzaga right now would be in with Arizona and Texas Tech, who Texas Tech has continued to have a very surprising season without Chris Beard. Wisconsin, if you're curious, also a four seed. Uh, they did lose to Illinois, so I think that did knock them down a little bit of a peg. Uh, right now, Wisconsin not playing in Milwaukee. I think that's a really interesting debate because right now, Lenardi has Illinois in the Milwaukee region. So I think Wisconsin versus Illinois uh, will be, and I this, I realize this is one bracket. I actually like Jerry Palm more, but it doesn't seem like Jerry Palm has updated his bracket because uh, he has Marquette as a seven. So I'd assume that that was after the Providence game. And so it hasn't been updated since Villanova. So this is hot and fresh. So that's why we're using Lenardi. But I do think the Illinois versus Wisconsin thing is going to be real. Like I, I think that that was a consequence of losing that game. And I think it's really going to be how the season goes. Like, Illinois will probably get that Milwaukee bid over Wisconsin. And I don't think they will put two Big Ten teams in there. Like, I, I don't I don't foresee that, I guess, because to me, that limits, you know, travel opportunity. That limits some of the things that I think Milwaukee, you know, or host cities would want. Like, if you look at the other Milwaukee region, it's Texas Tech and it's Tennessee. And my guys from Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming right now in the first four. I love Wyoming. I, I can tell you everything there is to know about Wyoming. They are a sneaky, underrated team. I will definitely take them to win in the first round if they are in the tournament. They, they have a really fun team. Definitely worth watching. But yeah, this is as in as I've been at college basketball in a long time. Um, I wouldn't say it's parlaying into success in gambling, but that's another story for another time. But still, I, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Um, I think it'll be another good weekend. You have Duke, Carolina, uh, Kentucky, Alabama, as well as you know a, a bunch of other you know games. Wisconsin's in action against Penn State. Not really uh, one to highlight, but it's five o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Is great timing. I know that's right over Duke, Carolina. I'm glad I'm watching it at Murph's house because I'd probably have a coronary. Uh, being at a bar and they'd be like, "Well, we have Penn State, Wisconsin on," and I'd be like, "Fuck off!" Like, at least have a game, at least have a couple Duke Carolina action on. Like, Duke Carolina is just a game you watch, right? Like, that's like Ohio State, Michigan. It's like uh, oh, I, 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 trying to think of another example. It's like Notre Dame, Michigan. It's like 
Oh God, I'm like I'm blanking on on different things. Uh, Arizona UCLA definitely a rivalry game that you kind of watch. I wouldn't put it at that Duke Carolina level. Duke, I mean, it really is just Ohio State Michigan, right? Like Duke Carolina and Ohio State Michigan are kind of like one and the same. Like they're they're basically the basketball version of Ohio State Michigan. I think Louisville Kentucky had some of that for a while, but those games have been scheduled at weird times and they didn't play this year. I think right because of COVID. So I like to me like it's always during bowl season. It's never great. Marquette and Wisconsin for us here locally, obviously, but it's definitely one you always kind of keep an eye on. All right, that does it for today's show. We will be back on Monday. We will talk about the Bucks weekend against the Blazers. We'll talk about anything else that comes through. I didn't talk about the outrageous Rogers rumors or the Beijing Olympics, so I will keep that maybe for Monday. Um, definitely, we'll see if there's any new Rogers rumors that pop up. I hate all of them. Um, and obviously, the Beijing Olympics will be going on, so I can talk a little bit about that. I realize it's maybe a topic that's a little more sensitive and a little more serious than what we usually do, uh, but it, it's a weird, conflicting, you know, debate you're having with yourself. Um, and so I'll, I want—I kind of want to talk about that because I—I'd wonder if people are feeling the same way. And if you're not, or you're—you're you're just like I don't give a fuck. Let me know. You know, just hit me up. You, you you guys know where to find me. You know, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, and we can we can talk about it. And if you guys are like, nah, child, I'm not really interested, then I'll, I'll save it. I'll talk about it with friends and won't we'll keep it on the podcast. All right, take care of yourself. Have a great weekend. I should be out on Saturday, so if you're out and about, uh, make sure you're uh, sure fine. Yeah, hit me up. See what see what's up. Like let's uh, let's hang out. Let's have a few beers. Um, I always will sponsor a beer of a podcast listener. Uh, people don't take me seriously on that, but I, I seriously mean it. I think there are just more people who don't go out like me because I'm 33 and shouldn't be going out. But that's another story for another time. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good one. Bye.